welcome to the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to discuss an article that's at the Beef website titled Winter Cattle Yard Preparation Checklist. To discuss this topic, I am today joined by the author, Dr. Alfredo DeConstanza, who's a Nebraska Extension Educator. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Aaron. Well, Dr. DeConstanza, as we record this podcast, the eastern two-thirds of the state has just been through a pretty good winter storm, and many folks are going to be digging out today. Also, for the next couple of weeks, we're looking at, for sure, some really bitter cold temperatures, which we haven't had this kind of bitter cold in January for quite a while. Your background, you've got a lot of experience in terms of managing cattle in a feed yard. You spent a good part of your career in Minnesota there. Share with us a little bit some thoughts around winter cattle yard preparation, which for some folks, they might be thinking, well, that sounds a little late. We're in the thick of it now. But some of these things might be helpful to us as we navigate these conditions for the next several weeks. Thank you, Aaron. And yes, it seems like if, uh, you know, the dates for this Beef Watch article were January 1. It gave everyone about seven days to get ready in the eastern side of the state. And we ended up with anywhere from 13 to four or five inches, depending on where you were at. And But the, the blow-in is what's different, and, and, and it creates some different challenges. But yes, uh, back to... I spent a fair amount of time managing yards in Minnesota, all the way from Crookston down to... Rosemont and so forth. And these were some, uh, a collection of things that I sort of uh, looked at every year. Uh, you may remember we managed those yards mostly with students. And when there is that lack of ownership, interestingly, on what happens at the feedlot, and that is the case with students, I'm, I'm clarifying that for an educational setting, it, it's like it's not my problem. So you drive away and something happens. So that's a collection of things that I looked at over the years. And uh, it's something that I sometimes I would start thinking about June 1, because you never know. If you don't get ready by sometimes October, then you're not going to get ready. Thankfully, this past year was wonderful. It permitted us to get ready up to almost just last weekend. Well, let's talk about some of the critical things that need to be paid attention to. Let's start with the cattle health and care side right now, because I think for many folks, that's going to be a, an urgent thing, especially in light of the the snow and the bitter cold that we're experiencing and will experience for the next few weeks. That is true. And uh, that's one of those very many things that that's on that list that we put together, but uh, anywhere from, and, and as you've indicated, Aaron, maybe for some places it's, it's too late, but it's not really too late to head out, talk, talk to your veterinarian, revisit the health plan, uh, particularly in light of what we're seeing, what vaccinations got delayed in a feed yard, what implants might get delayed because of the conditions of uh, lanes and alleyways and so forth. So it's not a bad time to revisit that relationship with your veterinarian and and visit about uh, what all needs to be in preparation. You know, if there's cows to calve, what vaccines need to be in hand for prevention of scours. You know, when the calves are born, is there something that needs to be prepared? And so what I describe in the article is uh, that, we, that we need to think of maybe at least, uh, you know, particularly in more intensive operations, feed yards and cow ranches with many cows, uh, think of maybe about a third of the supplies to a half of the supplies need to be on board right now in your medicine cabinet. That includes antibiotics, implants, vaccines, obstetric chains, the numbers of the veterinarians on call, uh, the names as well, 
maybe a, a list of procedures for anybody that is new or substituting on any given weekend at the facility. In essence, think of just about everything that, that has gone wrong sometimes in the past and that could possibly go wrong in the future, particularly with, with the weather we are to experience. Uh, obviously, that gets quickly moving into facilities, right? Which, what do we have in terms of uh, heating water tanks? Yes, cows can eat snow, but they don't really take much of that. And they almost have to get used to doing that and being out on the range to do that. So in a yard, all the waters need to be working. What all doesn't work? What are the fuses to be looking at, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, pretty soon you jump from health to the environment in which cattle and yourself work in. And, and you know, back to yourself, what are the types of things you need to worry about for yourself and your workers, whether it's, you know, hand warmers, gloves, hats, have uh, all of your coats maybe already with gloves and hats inside somewhere, snow boots, et cetera, because pretty soon we get caught out there treating an animal and we may experience hypothermia ourselves. So this is this is a critical thing. One of the things you mentioned that I, I've seen personally is just this is the time of year when any of our equipment that was a little marginal in terms of how it was working or facilities is often the equipment or facilities we have trouble with. So things like sagging gates, things like waters that maybe were temperamental. Uh, this is when those problems frequently show up, and this is not a fun time to work on those things. That is correct. I've, uh, there's been many a times I have worked on electrical with temperatures and wind like this, and it is not fun. But it is, again, something that thankfully we we had some fair warning for, you know, a few months that uh, winter is coming, winter is coming. So I did hear in my area, Aaron, that many people took the opportunity to prepare. So we, we may review these. And of course, for some individuals, this might be too little, too late, but uh, uh, do a once over sometime in the late fall. It's a fun time to get out and drive you know, warmer fall day and, and revisit all those spots that, that may create a problem, lanes, et cetera. Uh, I do recall, you know, having a protocol on when it's going to snow, who's going to be at the yard when and what are, what they are supposed to be cleaning first. An example of this is, you know, park any equipment with a blade backwards into wherever the shed or whatever, hopefully you have a shed to put them in, facing out so that you can run right out plowing as you as you leave and you know I, I'm assuming in most cases it's a feeding equipment that's priority that too needs to be parked uh, in reverse so that uh, the tractor can pull out without having to back a bagel mixer behind it etc so these are the types of preparations that if for some reason it didn't happen up until now this is the chance to go back and revisit and they're mostly, you know, very logical ones, having been born from the experience of living in, in cold climates, of course. And, but, you know, the, the further south we may go, the less we may concern ourselves with it because it may be a once in a year uh, situation. So that's the reason I emphasize the fact that a lot of these preparations uh, are simple to do when it's warm weather, but maybe it's time to revisit that uh, list and go through that, particularly as you indicated for cattle health and some of the facilities and maintenance that needs to happen around feeding, around health, and around moving cattle. 
Dr. Deacon Stanza, I'd like to circle back and just uh, was thinking about your comment of you're having student workers. And obviously in that kind of scenario, you had a lot of turnover every year. So there wasn't some of that, what I would call institutional knowledge that carried over from one year to the next. How did you address that? And I think that's a situation that many cattle feeders find themselves in with a high turnover. Uh, did you find any success in developing checklists or things like that, that you reviewed with your students each year? What are some things you found that were helpful for you in operations of a yard when you had a high turnover with the people who were working there? Yes, and that's an that's an excellent point. I, you know, I, I we describe that as a situation I faced because of education, and, and I was happy to to have a high turnover because more people were getting exposed to what we were doing in a private enterprise situation that's not so much fun. But yes, uh, one of the things I did, and you know, one of these days we'll start working on getting bits of that information out, is there, there was a very intensive protocol book that students were supposed to review prior to employment. And an example of that protocol book, Aaron, getting back to health, is these uh, decision support trees that uh, would lead the person to determine when it was time, for instance, to call the veterinarian. Let's just talk for a minute about respiratory disease in the feedlot. Hopefully most anybody can identify that. So it would begin with what are the symptoms? You know, what is the temperature, for example? What sort of drugs do we have in the in the cabinet? Has there been a protocol by the veteran, assisting veterinarian on what needs to be done first for first antibiotic procedure once the symptoms as described by the veterinarian are met? And, uh, and this advances, obviously, to maybe second and third treatment, and that I will leave up to veterinarians to discuss on, at which point a decision needs to be made that it is a realize or something else needs to happen. That's an example of one. But this tree can actually branch out to a situation where the individual says to themselves, I can't handle this. This is something new. This is something different. Immediately call the veterinarian. So, you know, there's for each one of those um decision support trees, there is a, yes, I go forward because I know how to handle this. No, this is time to quit, call the vet, do something different. So uh, that was an integral part of the of the health protocols that we had. Every year we would visit with the veterinarian about, you know, what is the antibiotic of choice, for instance, for respiratory disease this year, because they would have the information from the pathology labs describing what bacteria were responding to what antibiotics. And uh, that was added or subtracted from the protocol every year. And I recommend doing that. Again, that one to me, that sort of meeting with the veterinarian, whether it's a rancher or feedlot needs to happen in the summer. I used to joke around, invite your veterinarian to a picnic, talk to them about what is going on this year with health and disease, what changes or tweaks need to happen to my health program, and then maybe acquire the product immediately after so that we're not thinking of, well, I, you know, I need rest floor gold, for an example, and I don't have any of that on, sh on the shelf. And that was a concern to me because particularly if you are in isolated areas where veterinarians are few and far between, or even where we had cattle right in the urban setting, but veterinarians were inclined to treat dogs and cats, not cattle. 
they never carried in their in their trucks any of the drugs that they would prescribe to us uh, to our animals. So we needed to be sure we had them on hand, and and that's another thing that comes out of that meeting in the summer and planning ahead. Just thinking about some of the things that people are going to be doing the next several weeks is just you know moving snow, maintaining facilities, uh, checking on things. Did you have some decision trees in terms of what you went with students on that as well? How did you handle that? Yes, uh, Aaron, what, what we had is a decision support tree that said, this is when we need to start moving snow. If we have a snowfall and cattle need to be fed by this time, if they're not fed by this time, then please, or power is out, that's an option to please reach in the silage pile and deliver this much silage per, you know, per head to each bunk. Let's not let these cattle, particularly in a feedlot, go hungry or we'll have bigger problems, right? And so worst case scenario, we would drive a bale into the yard and let the cattle eat a while while we decided what we needed to do at that time. So to me, those are the things that need to be talked about ahead of time. Water really is first, then feed, and then the loafing area of the facility. But of course, access to the facility is the most important. So somebody needs to be tasked to go in. I don't know, let's just say this morning, if I was running a feedlot, I would say three, four in the morning, we needed the snow removal crew getting around all the alleyways so that the trucks and tractors and mixers could start moving to feed cattle at seven, eight in the morning, whenever the protocol was. And maybe that snow removal crew did not leave until maybe 6, 7 p.m. the night before. Now, this gets to splitting, right? A, a large facility that I work with, we talked about actually hiring a local crew to do this independent of the operator's feedlot, mainly because you don't want to wear people out and call them in at, at midnight, three in the morning, and then at seven in the morning, they've already been on the job four to eight hours, and now they have to turn around and feed cattle. So larger operations make the necessary arrangements to maybe have an outside crew come and remove snow. And this particular yard that I worked with uh, actually ended up going that route because it wears an individual out. It's eight in the morning, nine in the morning, they're falling asleep, they're making mistakes on feeding cattle. So this is so critical to start thinking about those things. Maybe that same crew can be hired to come back in the summer and keep the yard clean, you know, from weeds and uh, roads, uh, uh, even surfaced and so forth. I mean, it's it's an extra expense. I think it's worthwhile. In a family setting or similar to that, maybe it's where, you know, the individual in the family that doesn't like the feeding process as much, maybe that person can be asked to come in and do the snow removal to spare the people that are feeding cattle. So it's not, you know, such a heavy burden, everyone, because one of the most important things here, Aaron, and we brushed on it a little bit, is is just a human safety factor. Wherever I go uh, around even this little place that we have, I carry my cell phone and you got to have it. You got to have it charged. This is the time to invest to on chargers for all your tractors and four-wheelers equipment, wherever there's a possibility to have a phone charger, because whether it's heat or or cold, the batteries on those cell phones don't last very well. So you might need to consider getting a, a charger to, to keep that system going for you, or at least making sure that the morning the battery is to full capacity, because anything can happen out there 
and we need to, you know, we, we're needed. So we need to be here the next day. Anything else on this topic you'd like to highlight today? Well, I, I think uh, just uh, the, the challenges that, that are going to be coming is revisit health calendar with your veterinarian, uh, revisit your own procedures for handling dystocias in, in ranches and, and, and places such as that, uh, revisit uh, respiratory and pull procedures at a feedlot, talk with, your, with whoever works with you with cattle. If it's a family deal, when you come home at night, Talk about what needs to happen the rest of the week, particularly in light of the snow and, and ice that we've had on the eastern portion of the state, so that everybody knows what they need to be doing, and they're ready to go tomorrow with whatever that uh, situation is. Make sure that if something can be left, like, you know, if you need to plow a road uh, sort of halfway down, just enough for, for equipment to get through, do that just so that you can rest today. You can finish that a little later um, because after cattle, obviously, then it's your own health and you need to spend time thinking about that. Well, thanks again for joining me today. Appreciate you sharing these thoughts. Thank you, Aaron. For more information on the article that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, you can find the article at the beef.unl.edu website. The title of the article, Winter Cattle Yard Preparation Checklist.